Is, is there any children's church this morning? No. Good. Right, so we're up to chapter 12 of the book of Romans. So let's start by praying. Father, we thank you and praise you. Commit this uh, into your hands. Help me to um, convey what it is you want me to convey, Lord, in a, in a way that is clear and understandable. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. So let's um, begin at chapter 12 and read all the way through. So Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you accept that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the um, same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we see right at the beginning, Paul begins this part of his letter with the word therefore, because it's in response to what Paul has said in the previous chapters. Now you might think that it's in response to Romans 9.11, which is all about Israel and the church, the place of Israel in God's um, scheme of things, which is what we preached on just previously, what I preached on, sorry, just previously. But it is in fact 
in relation to the whole letter that Paul has written thus far. Paul is saying, therefore, in response to everything, in light of what I have written about God's grace and imputed righteousness, the fact that you don't need to obey the law to be right with God, but you need to have faith to be right with God. In light of all that, in light of this amazing grace that righteousness comes through faith, that you are to yield, that you are to present yourselves a living sacrifice to God. You are to yield yourself to his service in light of this amazing grace that he has shown us. That this is the correct response to show gratitude to God for what he has done. And um, the correct response is a life rendered to his service through gratitude. Now, there are numerous warnings throughout the New Testament showing that we can still sin. Warnings against being jealous, warnings against sexual immorality, warnings against all sorts of different things that tell us that we can still commit these things. And so, as living sacrifices, we are to die to these things. We are to die to ourselves. So that is what Paul is exhorting us to do in light of everything that he has written up until this point. That is why the word therefore means because of this, in light of this, do this. And then Paul adds something in addition to this. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so the and tells us that this is something that we are to do in addition to presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. And this seems interesting because you would have thought if you had presented yourself as a living sacrifice to God, that your mind would have been transformed in the process or that the two go together. And there is some logical um, <clears throat> connection between the two. You would think logically they go hand in hand, but the fact that the word and is there suggests that they are to be done separately. That you present yourself as a living sacrifice to God and you renew your mind. You're not transformed, or con sorry, you're not conformed to this world, but you are transformed by the newing, renewing of your mind. So when Paul talks about the conformity to this world, He's really talking about the conformity to the values of this world. He's not just talking about sinful things. He's talking about the way that we understand the world, the way we make decisions about things, the assumptions that we employ to help us to make sense of things. Some people call it it's, um, heuristic thinking. It means we make mental shortcuts because we don't have the time to weigh all the evidence up on a particular issue and we use mental shortcuts to come to conclusions and those mental shortcuts are based on assumptions about the world. So you could very well have presented yourself as a living sacrifice to God in whatever way that might look. You live a holy life, you want to please God, you want to surrender everything to God, yet there are areas of your life where your thinking is not necessarily in line with the scriptures. What you're doing isn't necessarily wrong, but you haven't surrendered that 
your choices, decisions or whatever to the Lord. And um, why then, so for example, why did Jesus rebuke the church at Ephesus? Because they had lost their first love. So, okay, it's not exactly clear what this means. It could mean they lost their initial zeal. They lost the first zeal that they had when they became believers. Or it means that they have left their first love. God should be first in our lives. We should love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. And they may have left that, gone away from it. They were, you know, a faithful church, and he commended them on a lot of points, but they lost their first love. And it's probably that they lost that um, adherence to the first commandment, that they had left the first love. God was no longer first in their lives. So despite their holiness, despite living in a way that would accord with Romans 12.1, whether on, I mean, they wouldn't be aware of that specific scripture, but they were probably living in accordance with um, a holy, righteous life. Despite that, they had left their first love. And if God was not first in their lives, then who or what was? We don't know. But if it wasn't God, it would be something else. So being conformed to this world means that God, by definition, isn't first in your life. So what this really is saying, what Paul is saying to us, is we must allow our minds to be transformed by the renewing of them. Our minds to be transformed, we are to renew our minds. Now, it's there are many different ways, but key to allowing our minds to be renewed is um, to read scripture and meditate upon scripture. And Bible memorization is a good idea too. Um, by memorizing the Bible, the word is going in and it's uh, changing the way you're thinking. And um, rather than relying on your own assumptions, your own understanding, as it says in uh, Proverbs 3, we're relying on God's word which we have internalized, as it were. So the key point is that your mind is the vehicle by which you make sense of things, by which you make sense of your world. <clears throat> and so you need a sound reference point, that sound reference point being the Bible. So the question is, where do you get all your information from? you get it from the media, get it from people who influence things, or from the Word? Now, of course, if you read the Bible, you're not going to get up-to-date information about today. But if, you, if the Bible is something that um, guides your thinking, you're going to understand the world according to today. So a good example, I think, um, that I'd like to just um, try and use to outline what this really means is the COVID pandemic. Hopefully, I mean, obviously it's still going, but um, hopefully the worst of it is over. But I think it provides a good example of these sorts of things and um, from people who sit on both sides of the fence. So we'll see, I'll explain that in a minute. But it seemed that when COVID broke out, that most people were driven by their 
default positions on these health issues kind of thing. Most people assumed that what the health authorities were saying was good and should be trusted. Now we would, you know, you'd want to think you can trust your health authorities and in many ways you can. But evidence I think is emerging that the way the health authorities in the United Kingdom, in the United States, Europe, etc., first dealt with this was more in panic mode driven by fear than perhaps in any kind of sensible summation of what was going on. Because it was very quickly decided in the UK, for example, that they should have a lockdown because if they didn't, there would be millions dying. I think they, they predicted maybe a million, not millions, but maybe a million. That's a lot of people. But evidence is emerging that shows that that was not quite the case because these are based on mathematical models which are based on assumptions and all mathematical models have a have a, what do they call worst case, middle case and best case and of course the media blew up the worst case scenario. And so most people were driven, were driven by fear and they assumed that what the health authorities were saying was correct. So we won't go into any great details about that but that is what I think happened. Now, of course, then on the other side of the fence, there were some who assumed it was a conspiracy, both within the Christian community and within the secular community. And I'm not saying that it's not a conspiracy, but I'm saying that there are a lot of people who just assumed that it was. It's all a conspiracy. And the question then is, what is God's view? What does God say about it all? Now, you read the Bible, it's not just going to say COVID is a conspiracy or COVID is not a conspiracy. Of course it's not going to say that. But the Bible tells us not to lean on our own understanding. And if our understanding is derived from the media, or if our understanding is on the one hand, or if our understanding is derived from crazies on the other hand, whatever, then we're not actually relying on God. And... Um, so God's view would simply be, well, you would pray and you would ask. And that's in relation to the pandemic and lockdowns, but specifically in relation to the vaccine, which is something that we had to make a choice about. So now I'm going to make a, you know, I'm going to be honest here, because I don't want to be a hypocrite, because I didn't actually ask God myself what he wanted. Now... We know the vaccines cause huge division in this country. Thankfully, in this church, it didn't, because we, um, we were of the view that, as Mike preached, if you want to take it, take it. If you don't, don't. And it was quite simple. Everyone had to decide for themselves, and we didn't have a policy on it, and I think that was probably the best. Being, being a smaller church did help us. Larger churches did actually have to face that issue. So we were, I think we were blessed in that we were a smaller church. But anyway, so from my perspective, I didn't actually seek the Lord. I didn't, I didn't do what Proverbs 3, 5 to 8 said. Do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, so why? Because I knew from the beginning that it would be a big deal. And um, I read some accounts, did some research, whatever, um, that suggested that the vaccines were safe and effective and a good idea to take. And these were from sources, this wasn't stuff 
um, all the mainstream media, these are from sources that I consider to be independent thinking sources kind of thing. So that was good. But and it kind of, you know, came to the situation or it came to the I came to the realization that I had not actually sought the Lord, and I'm not going to go into any great details, but it it, it was like um it was problematic, I'll say to say the least. So I wasn't very, you know, what if I had sought the Lord? And he said, no, don't get vaccinated. Then I then there's the issue of my job, because it was mandated on campus for, well, it was initially for at least a year, but it ended up being five months. No, sorry, no, it's not five, February, March, three months. It was initially for a year, but it ended up being three months. So the thing was, and what I'm trying to say is that I went to these sources, and because they weren't mainstream media, I thought, well, that's cool, that's good. Which is, which is basically just the same as going to the mainstream media. <laughs> but the point is, it's not, I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but it's like, okay, Lord, I've, what about if I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do. What should I do? And then I started reading these sources, and that's what God led me to. That would be one thing. But to go there independently of God is wrong. Okay, so that is what I would call being conformed to this world, in a sense. Deriving a very important decision from sources which are not um, biblical, or sources which are not, you know, not from the Lord. So it's a little bit complex because if God had led you to those sources, then you'd say those sources are from the Lord. But if you go there independently, it, it just gets a bit messy. But that's what I'm trying to say. So basically, but you could argue, okay, so you could argue that worldly thinking leads you to want to get vaccinated, but you could argue the same from the other side. If someone automatically assumes that it's bad without even considering the other side, you could argue the same from that. The point is, what is God's take on it? Now, I don't wish to, as I said, I don't wish to condemn anybody because I'm just actually saying this is my honest own position and experience. Because I guess at the end of the day, I didn't want to lose my job. But what if God said, no, that's actually what I want? It, it's um, just one of those things. You have to, that's why it's ongoing surrendering in your life. And God, I think, brings these sorts of things about to point out, well, actually, that's a problem and you need to deal with it. So, living as sacrifices living sacrifices, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice and not being conformed to this world, you would not be driven by fear. You, would be, you wouldn't be driven by anything. You would be calmly seeking the Lord and asking him what you should do. And um, I don't know I, know, of a, I do know of a couple of people who did that. Um, and they came to, interestingly, came to different conclusions, but they sought the Lord. And I think that that is, well, that is, I think, hopefully I've explained that clearly, the difference between being conformed to this world and being transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. And this applies to lots of different things. That was a very pertinent example because it's something that is consequential. You have to make a decision one way or the other with the vaccine. You had to. I mean, you don't now because they're still available, but there's no mandates or anything. You don't have to make that decision now, but you had to one way or the other. There was no neutral option. But in lots of different things, the way we respond to the news, the way we um, regard current events, and so on. So, anyway, basically, but the key point is that by the renewing of your mind, we know the perfect will of God in a situation. So it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in every situation. So that means you will know what the will of God is one way or the other by seeking him, by just having the right thoughts on things and what have you. Okay, so these first two verses, they provide the foundation for the rest of the chapter. Because Paul is exhorting his readers and us, by extension, to behave like Christians. It's interesting because the headline, not the headline, sorry, the title from verse 9, the, this, the New King James and probably most other Bibles too, have little headings to help us. Paul didn't put little headings. And we know the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. But anyway... The heading from verse 9 is behave like a Christian. But before that, Paul talks about using our spiritual gifts. And the whole point of the spiritual gifts is that we are to use them to benefit each other, to benefit others. The spiritual gift isn't for our own um, edification, though it can lead to edification, but it is for the edification of others, whether it's teaching, whether it's prophesying, whether it's being generous, whatever that gift is called, um, whether it's um, administration, whatever that gift is, it's always for other people. And you may be blessed and edified in the service that you provide, but you are specifically there to serve others. And so this is the kind of life that Paul is exhorting the readers to live. And again, We are to regard others as better as ourselves. And again, this is something that we are to do in gratitude for the grace that God has shown us. And the behaving like Christians, there are so many different things here. It talks about bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And you rejoice with those who rejoice. So when someone has good news, something good has happened to them, you rejoice with them. You don't get all uppity or jealous, or resentful. You rejoice with them, even though you're not in that situation. So, for example, if you're made redundant, but someone else isn't, and they survived, you might rejoice with them, rather than say, oh, it's all right for you. And you weep. I didn't do that. Actually, I have to confess that um, when I was made redundant back in 2014, there's a, a lady there who said, oh, she hadn't been made redundant. And so she said, oh, I feel bad because I'm not redundant and you are. She didn't say it like that. And I said, oh, no, I'm happy for you. 
And I, I felt very good about that. <laughs> so, so while in one area I didn't do very well, I did very well in that area. But no, I... I so there we are. I did that. So, um, yeah. But I'm um, serious. No, I, I did actually. I said, look, I'm, I'm happy for you, and I was. But anyway. Weep with those who weep. So she was sad for me. <laughs> um, so, and it says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. That's what I do. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> So that could mean, I don't know quite what that means. Well, I mean, it could mean anything for anybody. It could be like, um, don't, don't think that you're going to get a huge palace or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But do not be wise in your own opinion really is, wise in your own opinion means that somehow your opinion is the truth, that um, you've derived that opinion all by yourself to your research or whatever you've done rather than it being something that is informed by your relationship to God to repay no one evil for evil and um, later on it says do not avenge yourselves but make room for God's judgment God's wrath because God is the avenger now repaying good for evil of course, it depends on the nature of the evil. We can easily repay good for evil. If someone's act was maybe a mistake and they come and apologize for it, oh, that's all right. But what if the evil that someone has rendered us, they're not sorry for it. They're quite happy to have done it. And we are asked to repay good. We are asked, in fact, to do things that is not actually within our capability, that is not something that is within our nature generally speaking yes there are some individuals who can repay good for evil because they have a particular kind of personality but for the majority of human beings repaying good for evil is not normal is not natural is not something that you can do which tells us not only that this is something that God requires of us this is the kind of life that he requires of us, but it tells us also that he will empower us through the Holy Spirit to live this kind of life. And that if you aren't living this way, suggests that you are not living by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you are trying to live in your own strength. So there are many different things that we are to do as Christians, many different things that we are to that are to characterize our behavior. Where possible, live at peace with all people, where it is possible with you. So there are some people, but where it is possible, as far as it is possible with you, live at peace with all people. So Finally, Paul tells us, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not allow this world, in whatever shape it comes to you, to overcome you. But you overcome the world by being a strong Christian. So, this is what Paul exhorts all of us, myself included, um, in light of the grace that has been shown to us through 
the forgiveness of our sins. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you. And um, I ask, Lord, that these words would have the effect that you um, have intended for them. And we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.